0: Welcome to Get In The Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get In The Herd. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us on um, the McShin Foundation's award-winning podcast, Get in the Herd. Uh, today I have with me special guest Gigi Langer. Uh, she has just come out with a book called 50 Ways to Worry Less. Uh, and I have read most of the book, admittedly not all of it. Um, I tried doing some of the uh, the exercises that are in it. Um, and to be quite honest with you, I, I thoroughly enjoyed what I read. Um, Gigi, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Well, we're glad to have it's you Nice here. to be meeting you. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so you are both an author and a woman in long-term recovery. Um, yes, Tell sir. us, what uh, what led you to, to write the book?
1: Oh, you know, I, I often say that once I quit drinking, I realized what a thinking problem I have. And uh, remember the old timers used to have, have that poster up that said, don't drink, don't think, and go to meetings. Yep. And uh, so, you know, once once I realized that and I started doing the inventories because I was in a 12-step program, I really just realized how much my thoughts were torturing me. And uh, I got into, you know, therapy and working the steps and especially step six and seven, I think are so valuable once we mm-hmm. realize, I termed that negative thinking. I know a lot of people in the program call it the committee, you know, the committee right. that's always so helpful, you know?
0: Yep. And yep. I,
1: what, what, what the committee whispers is what I call in the book, whispered lies. They're lies about who we are. You know, you're not right. lovable. I, You'll never I remember stay reading sober. About that. <laughs> Yeah. So I I started identifying them as lies and I and I started building my spiritual fitness in the program and uh, especially with the 11th step and realizing that you know as they say god don't make no junk. So right. I was thinking of myself as this defective person and what the spiritual uh, lessons were teaching me was that I was you know in essence the truth of me was goodness and i wasn't defined by all those bad things i had done it was just my brain still telling me nasty stuff
0: <laughs> right right it's uh it's amazing how even after we get clean and sober that our brain tells us those things that we're you know bad people and that we've done such horrible things that we're not redeemable and all that um And there's that, there is that leftover, uh, I don't know what to call it, um, ideology that that we're never going to be good enough, you know? Um, Right. Yep. One of the things that I noticed as I was reading through the book, um, I I felt, I felt like I was doing step work at the same time. Um, There was a lot of similarities to, to step work that I saw in the book um, you know, with, with all of the time that you've, that you have all the clean time that you have, I imagine you've done the steps plenty of times. Um, talk oh, to yeah. me about, talk to me about the, um, I guess the, what influence did the steps have on writing the book? Cause I, I feel like they had a, a big influence on, on the book itself.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, realized I wanted to write a book. Oh, I think I was maybe 20 years sober and I had been to visit my mother and I was on an airplane and I was feeling so grateful for how open my heart was to her and how loving Mm -hmm. I was able to be as opposed to how I had felt in the past. And I thought, It would be so great if somehow we could convey the things that we've learned through the steps and that I've learned through therapy and energy work and a bunch of other healing modalities. How could I share that in a way that the normal person who may never get into the rooms might uh, gain some of the tools and uh, practices that we've learned that are so helpful? to us. Sure. So you're right. It's, it's very influenced by the 12 steps. Yeah. And yet I I had one person read it. He kind of knew he had a drinking problem, but he mm-hmm. wasn't owning it. And after reading the book, he said, I'm going to go to a 12 step program and he's been sober ever since. So even some of the people not That's in recovery awesome. are helped by it. But I have to say most of the audience for the book tends to be people in recovery.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Um what was I going to say? Um the uh the exercises that you have. I've I've to be to be perfectly honest, I've never been uh really, I don't know how to say this, the 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 best at reading, I guess you could say self help books. Um I've always thought that, you know, um if you, if you really need help, you know, go seek therapy. Um, otherwise, you know, you're just kind of wasting your time. But as I was reading through this book, um, you know, I, I really, like I said, I really started doing the exercise and everything. I was like, oh man, you know, it, it really, a lot of the stuff hit home. Um, and, and I realized this isn't just like every other, you know, self-help type book that, that's out there. Um, it really has a lot of valuable information in and especially for you know someone that suffers with substance use disorder um, Is this the type of thing that you know you would say uh, for someone that 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 needs help they start here and and you know move on to to maybe uh, you know a 12-step program or you know to like a therapy situation or is this something that someone can you know jump into and, and kind of, help themselves out a hundred percent, you know, what, what's, what's the best recommendation there?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for those kind words. I'm a former teacher and I, I really like it when things are concrete and clear. So, right. and I do love the, the inspiring self-help books And I often found that, you know, just tell me what to do, darn it. So right, I right. made the book. So it was, you know, my story, what I was suffering with and how I discovered this particular, one of the 50 tools you know and mm-hmm. then most of the times a little exercise to guide you through it so it, it's very concrete so thank you for that in Absolutely. terms of where to start where to start whether to start with a book like this i i suppose there is no wrong way uh as long as a person's seeking help I think that the sooner you can get to a face-to-face or or video to video individual to help guide you like a therapist or a recovery coach mm-hmm. I think the sooner a person does that the better and here's right. why obviously because we think we can fix ourselves how many self-help books did I buy and try and you know and
2: right. the problem
1: was, as long as we are numbing our feelings through using or romancing or shopping or overworking, mm-hmm. when we're divorcing ourselves from our feelings like that, it, it's it's very hard to grow because we're not really owning what our patterns are. <laughs>
2: right, <laughs> we're covering right. them
1: up and denying them. Mm-hmm. So I guess the, the recommendation would be to hang with someone that you can be really honest with who's a very, very helpful person, not someone who's going to just tell you their stories, not someone who's going to jump on your miseries and make you feel even worse about them. Someone right. who has been down the road before who can offer help and who can offer healthy resources. That's my recommendation. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I, you said, uh, you know, someone that you can be honest with and, um, and like me personally, so my sponsor that I have right now and have had the entire time that I've that I've been in recovery. This is my second go round in recovery. The first time uh, I got about six months then decided I needed to go out and do more research and, uh, you know, came back. Um, he was my sponsor both times. Um, and okay. this guy is someone that I've known for the better part of 20 years. Um, we've been. Really good friends. He's been he's been clean and in the rooms uh, the entire time, um, so he's got about six years under his belt. Um, I've always had people tell me, you know, or, or warn me against. Oh, you know, you don't necessarily want someone that that you're really good friends with, and you don't necessarily want someone that you've known for a long time. You want someone that's 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 you know uh, can kind of be. Uh, The word indifferent is not correct to use, but, uh, someone that, uh, how do I say it? Uh, someone that is, is not going to be your friend and only going to be your sponsor. And my reply to that is, well, the reason I chose someone that was, you know, that I'm such good friends with is let's face it. I'm an addict and I know how to bullshit people, you know, uh, And he can see through that. He knows when I'm doing that, you know, because he knows my patterns. He knows my habits. He knows how I can be. And when we're going over step work or, or, you know, just talking in general, uh, he can look at me and just say, dude, come on, you know, and to me, me personally, I think that's very valuable, um, because it forces me to kind of have that honesty you know and and to have that uh you know well that that honesty um you know and, and especially when it comes to doing step work um you know you gotta be you gotta be 100 percent honest when you're doing that stuff um sure and i think that's i think that's a very valuable aspect of you know our our sponsorship um what are your thoughts on you know when it comes to sponsorship Do you pick someone that you've been friends with for a while? Do you pick someone that you know? Do you pick someone that you find in a meeting? You know, uh, what was your process?
1: Yeah, I think it's different for different people, frankly. Um, One thing I'll say is if you have a sponsor that you don't know, but you think you could be comfortable with, chances are they've sponsored a lot of people before and they know some of the bullshit that's going to come out.
0: <laughs> right. So right.
1: sometimes it, you know they don't have to necessarily be my, have known me personally for a long time, but definitely it needs to be a person who has their own sponsor, who has worked the steps diligently mm-hmm. for me. Um, obviously someone who has no romantic possibilities for you. Right. Uh, and, you know, I had, I had known how to manipulate men and so on. So, you know, of course, I wanted to hang with the men at first because that was my comfort zone. But uh, I didn't know how to manipulate. I didn't know how to manipulate women. So it took me six months of meetings before I asked someone to be my sponsor. And I don't necessarily recommend that. But that is, And I didn't drink during that time, by the grace of God. And I was going to say, by the grace of God, you uh, came back to the rooms after that one, uh, research for yeah, you. Took. I, uh, Thank God for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I had to hit my bottom and I hadn't, hadn't hit my bottom the yep. first time I apologize. I am having all kinds of mic stand issues here. It keeps wanting to fall off the desk. Um, I'm oh, going to do the best I can here to just, yeah, it's, it's a okay. brand new mic stand. Yeah. I just got it. And yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think um, you're
1: right about the sponsor thing that it shouldn't be someone who's gonna be too easy on you. I mean, people right. we know ourselves, you know. Maybe I need someone to kick my butt. In my case, I needed someone to be very gentle and not confront me because I was so lacking in um confidence of my own perceptions. You know, I right, I didn't right. I, I had screwed up my life, <laughs> screwed up my life royally, so I didn't want to rely on myself i wanted to rely on someone that i thought was wiser
0: (laughs) yeah right um you know another thing they say is that you know when you when you're choosing a sponsor you should choose someone that has something that you want i've heard that said a lot of times and i love my sponsor to death um but i gotta be honest i don't want anything he has um you know he his life is pretty chaotic um you know, he handles it. Uh, he, he, does a fantastic job. Um, but I really don't want anything that he has. Um, and that's kind of one of those, one of those aspects of sponsorship that, that's, you know, like I, for instance, he, one of his big things is, um, he was able, you know, after he got clean, he, he was able to uh, regain custody of his, of his son. Um, well, I don't have any kids, so that doesn't apply to me. Um, But what I can tell you is that, you know, the one thing that he has been able to, to maintain is kind of a, a calmness, regardless of all the chaos, you know, and that's something that I find extremely valuable and, and almost in a way, look up to him for that. Um, Oh yeah. Um, you had touched on, you know, um, you, you felt more comfortable with men. What do you say to, to someone who maybe wants, you know, you know, a a, a male who wants a female sponsor or a female that wants a male sponsor? Um, that is, that's one of those things that I've always heard that it's not a good idea to do. Um, but I know plenty of people who do that. Yeah. Is that something that can, I mean, obviously it can turn into a problem, but what are your, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's preferable to have someone. I mean, the whole thing is the, in my case, I was addicted to romantic love when I came in, in addition to sure. alcohol and marijuana. And so mm-hmm. for me to, you know, make a man my, it's sort of like a temporary higher power in a way. You're mm-hmm. your sponsor, you're, you're giving them a lot of authority to suggest things to you. And you're saying you're willing to follow those suggestions. Questions.
0: Right. So right.
1: it was much better for me to have a, a woman. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, if there's no romantic spark, I know women, younger women who are sponsored by way older men. I know a way, you know, I've seen it work just as you have. But for the early years, I do think it's preferable to have someone that has no romantic uh, attachment. Right. And I right. was going to say, in, in response to your, you know, want what that person has, I think you, you hit it on the head when you said you don't want necessarily what he has, but you want who he is. You mm-hmm. won't want how he is in the middle right, of his right. life. You know? mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's what I admired in my sponsor too. That calmness, yeah. no matter what.
0: Um, switching gears a little bit. Um, we, our, our CEO here just wrote a book, um, just got published to 22 of this year. Um, uh, and it's called, uh, scattered pink. Um, and she kind of talked to us about the writing process and how that was, uh, can you touch a little bit on that? Like how was the writing process for you for, for, uh, 50 ways?
1: Sure. Well, I had been in a, um, academic job, uh for 25 years so teaching at a university and i and i had done a lot of um academic writing or technical mm-hmm. writing it was a uh, um pra- mostly for teachers i was in uh, education and psychology so i wasn't and i had even co-authored some books so i had been through the process of the drafts and the royalties and all that So right, the right. deadlines um and I, that's partly probably why my book is uh, very um, concise and practical, mm-hmm. <laughs> because yes, that's what I valued is. when I wrote for teachers. You know, I didn't like the jargon right. and so on. Um, but anyway, so when it when I retired, and gosh, it must have been ten years after that. I thought, geez, um, I think I really want to write a book. Then I I wasn't so. Well, first of all, we don't do anything big. We don't have any dreams unless I think our higher power has nudged us to move in that direction, to move toward right. it. When we get ourselves clear enough through multiple uh, inventories and multiple six and sevenths and eights and nines and multiple healings with different therapists and different modalities, then we're... Uh, I wouldn't say 100% of the time, however, because if the shit hits a fan, I'm going to lose it like anybody, right? But I'm going to have my tools and I'm going to have my posse of women around me. So that's that's a great Mm -hmm. security for me. But anyway, we get these, um, we're clear enough to get an inspiration. So I had to trust that, you know, that I was running to my computer wanting to write this. So I don't think my Mm -hmm. higher power would have nudged me there. So right. I I uh, ended up publishing it through my own publishing company. And that was the, it wasn't nice. writing it so much. The writing, I mean, I sent it out, you know, you follow all the directions that the nonfiction publishing people give you. So you just buy the yeah. book and follow those steps, you know.
0: Right, right, right. But
1: I'll tell you what was hard. I don't know if you've gotten to chapter six yet, Chapter five, actually, chapter six is where I talk about halfway through the book, my husband, whom I met in AA, started drinking again. Oh, mm. that was fun. So I wrote the whole chapter about how that went. And then chapter five was my cycles of healing. Ultimately, after 10 years of sobriety, realizing that there had been some sexual abuse, which I didn't even know about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <coughs> Excuse me. So. um It was the honesty that I put into the book that turned out to be a little challenging because disclosing some of that stuff was not easy.
0: I can imagine, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, I do have, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I have a little cough. Are you able to stop the recording? And then start it again, Uh, or should
0: we? Well, we're actually live right now. If you need to, uh, if you need to, your throat or something, yeah. um, I can put on a commercial real quick. um, You can get yourself some water or something of that nature. Yeah, if you don't mind, that would be great. Thanks so much. Sure. No problem. We'll be right back. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back with author and woman in long term recovery, Gigi Langer. Uh, thank you for uh, sticking with us on that commercial break there. Um, what I want to say is, uh, first off, uh, the book is fantastic. Uh, it's 50 Ways to Worry Less. Um, you know, it's got a lot of inspirational That's stuff in like. there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there it is. Um, it is available as a uh, uh, hard copy or uh, e-book, right?
1: Right, right. And an audio
0: book. Oh, and an audiobook. And it has a little bit. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it has a workbook that comes with it too for writing out the exercises.
0: Excellent. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of exercises in there and those exercises are actually really helpful. Um, so we were talking about Thank the, uh, the writing process and all that and the publishing process. And you said the publishing process was, was the more difficult part. Um, and you've got, right. you said you had your, your own, uh, your own publishing company.
1: Yeah. There are. There are a couple of choices. I mean, the first choice is, are you going to try to get an agent and get a contract with a big bona fide publishing company? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a long-term process. Um, Then if you self-publish, you can go with one of these presses um, where they're trying to get you to buy their services to publish your book And they give you a flat fee, and then they use their own editors and their own cover cover designers and so on, and Mm -hmm. they'll only let you make so many changes. So I don't recommend that if you have the talents to, uh, you know, I had been a project manager, so I kind of knew how to get estimates for different parts, so I farmed out each piece. And then I was sent the exact right person. You know, one day I was at a meeting and a woman said, Hey, what's new? And I said, Oh, we love this gal that we know. How's she doing? And then she said, what are you up to? I said, well, I'm writing a book. And she said, Oh my God, I know the perfect editor for you. And that's how so many of the people came to me. Uh, so yeah, I did little contracts with each person that did a part of it, the the publishing parts.
0: Um, that's, that's outstanding. Um, you know, I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, and I want to talk about recovery for just a second. Um, and the reason I want to do that is because, well, obviously because we are a recovery podcast. Um, but this, you know, to me, the, the, the book itself, uh, it can be a very, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Influential, yes, um, but uh, 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 an important piece of of the recovery process. Um, you know, one of the things that we go through uh, when we're in recovery, especially early recovery, is um, we get clean and then we have to sit with our emotions. And one of those emotions that we have is worry, anxiety, um, you know, stress, things like that. Um, and those are all triggers for, for anyone that suffers a substance use disorder. I mean, shoot anyone really, um, that can trigger you to do a lot of things. Um, and, you know, reading through the book, um, you know, it gives you, it gives you these tools, um, to, to kind of manage that, that stress and, 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 you know, manage that, that worry, um, one of the things that, um, that has really, you know, helped me, uh, is my girlfriend actually gave up everything. Um, you know, when we, when we got back together, um, she, she doesn't suffer from substance use disorder. Um, but she, you know, she did drink a little bit, um, and she completely gave all that up, which is awesome. She's been a huge support in my recovery. Um, you know, and in, in, in the book it mentions that you know your your uh, your husband started drinking again, um, and I haven't I haven't had to deal with that. I haven't had to. That hasn't been a thing. Um, how how do you? I guess how do you deal with that in a in a real life you know setting? I suppose. Um, you know how do you? how do you say no? You know, I, I can't, you know, I can't partake. Like I don't even know the question I'm trying to ask really. um, Yeah. <laughs> if you um, want to know
1: what it was like, it was really scary.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it that's what I'm getting at. What was it like? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. It was really scary. And I, you know, I, I immediately went to Al-Anon and my sponsor works Al-Anon in addition to AA, and a lot of the people I I know um, in long-term sobriety have, have high-quality ability to deal with tough things. They, they work right. uh, the 12 steps also in Al-Anon. So I went running to Al-Anon first thing, okay. got a sponsor, started working the steps because I did not want to... Conf- I think this is true for any problem in our lives. That's why most of my tools are first getting ourselves unglued from the ceiling with our anxiety and then mm-hmm. next accessing our higher power or an energy technique or spiritual technique to get ourselves mm-hmm. into a calm place where we can receive a good intuitive guidance. So I knew that right. I didn't want to approach my husband from my high end. Anxiety, terrified place. Sure. I would just make the situation worse. So by working Ellen on, I got a chance to kind of get my head together, get myself together. I mean, we did have a conversation early on about how, you know, he understood that I was hanging with 12 step people all the time. He'd been in the program for a long time, but hadn't been going to meetings for a long time and he he did acknowledge you know understand that it was scary for me because of me sponsoring people and seeing people relapse and all the ugliness of the disease Mm -hmm. um so but then um there were a couple of occasions where i saw him inebriated and that really scared me so i tell that whole story in the book um ultimately we had to sit down after, it was not a pretty picture, the whole thing, right. you know, <laughs> when I mm-hmm. finally did talk to him, I ended up making him mad, you know, Right. And, uh, and then he didn't talk to me for a little while, and this is the person I had trusted. Uh, mind you, a symptom of my substance abuse disorder was failed relationships, so okay. <laughs> Peter, my husband, is my fourth husband, and we had been okay. married 25 years or so when this happened and i had right. never seen him have a drink
2: mm-hmm. so
1: it it was very scary i i went through all the steps i it's good now we he for some reason because maybe because his drug of choice was cocaine mm-hmm. that's what he went to treatment for i don't know I didn't know him then, but uh, he has two drinks, no more, no less. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, he has turned into a social drinker, which for me was one. That's it was awesome. The only, yeah, the only tolerable outcomes would have been total recovery or ability to drink socially with no damage because right. what terrified me was that he was going to go down the tubes, and that would be the end of our finances, our marriage, our love, etc. Right. So, mm-hmm. I and I clung to my higher power. I clung to my friends. It, mm-hmm. it took almost a year, maybe eight nine months. Right. And what I'll tell you, <laughs> the whispered lie was all men hurt women. Your dad hurt your mom your dad hurt you and this man is hurting you too do mm-hmm. not trust him and i put right. my dad's face right on him and oh. i had to get over that yeah i had to get over that and when i looked at it without all that influence which took quite a bit of therapy and help <laughs> i could see oh this is still the same man i married <laughs> he's able to right. have two drinks go figure
0: right that's that's fantastic yeah. though that's i uh, uh, i uh Me personally, I it's hard to explain. I I say all the time that I'm uh, what I call a permissions guy. So, what that means to me is basically once I give myself permission to do anything, I've just given myself permission for a total, a full on total relapse. Um, I could probably go out and you know have a few drinks um, and get to a certain level of drunk. Um, and then stop and then go home, go to sleep, wake up, feel like shit afterwards, but nothing will happen. But once I give myself permission to do that, I give myself permission to do whatever else I want, you know, and it's difficult right now because, um, you know, cannabis has been all but legalized, um, in Virginia, uh, and several other states, um, and now there's a bill, I don't know if it's, if it's become law that, uh, you know, they're allowing recreational use. Um, I haven't really caught up on all the cannabis news, but I know that it's, it's very quickly gaining traction and becoming legal and, you know, this, that, and, and the other. Um, that was one of my favorite things to do, um, is me too. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, in in my eyes, uh, there was nothing better at the end of the day than to come home and light one up and relax in front of the TV and eat three bowls of cereal and go to bed with a stomachache. You know, that was that was one of my, my most favorite mm. things to do, um, and it's difficult right now because you know, when when I was in active addiction, it was completely one hundred percent illegal. You know, no ifs, ands, or buts about. Yeah. And now. All these, you know, everything is becoming legal and there's dispensaries in, in Virginia now. And and I mean, you, it's almost like you can buy it in a gas station, you know, um, <laughs> and I still have to think back to, you know, my my whole permission thing. You know, if I give myself permission to do that, which I could I, I could be an end of the day, you know, smoke a joint type person you know um but if i do that i give myself permission for a full-on total relapse you know i'm i'm, I'm back at the races again um and oh. that's that's when i have to you know turn to my girlfriend turn to you know uh, my program you know turn to the steps all that stuff and really you know, focus, focus hard on, on what's important and what I stand to lose, you know, if that full on relapse happens, you know, and that's the problem with this disease is there's, there's always a chance that could happen. You're never recovered. You know, there's no graduating from this program. And we all know that it's, it's the type thing of you're, you're in this for life and you're, you're a constant student, you know, um, and with your book being um, in, in my view, so so influenced by the steps, you know, um, for me, it's kind of given me uh, another tool in my arsenal that I can turn towards, you know,, um, something that I can use to to be able to sit with my feelings a little bit easier to, you know, when bad things happen, I don't want to immediately go to, you know, oh, I can drink a 40 about it and, and be just fine. You know, like it's, uh, it was, it was a very freeing read. Um, and it was oh, very, thank you. yeah. Um, well, well, like I said, it was, uh, as I was reading it, I was, I was thinking the whole time about, about the steps, you know, and I was like, man, this, this is, you know, it's, they, they really go hand in hand, you know? Um, it's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. So, um, I forgot what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you one more question. Um, but I completely forgot. I went off on a rant. I do that all the time. Um, (laughs) do you, so I'll, I'll move on to something else. Do you think, um, knowing yourself the way that you do know yourself. Um, Do you think, you know, you, you had mentioned that, you know, cannabis, you enjoy cannabis is, is that something you, you, you would be able to do like once or twice, or is it total abstinence and total abstinence is it?
1: Total abstinence is it.
0: Total abstinence is it. Yeah. I, and I'll tell you, I'm sorry, go ahead
1: don't want to yeah i just don't want to you know i mean my entire support system friends etc are in recovery and mm-hmm. i don't need to get high to enjoy life more in fact i'm enjoying life really well now and that's the hit right I there have that's that the hit. yeah i i have the security that, that If the worst of the worst happens, you know, one of my siblings passes or whatever those things are going to be that make it so hard to to live with that you feel like you want to go for a drug or a drink. You know, Mm -hmm. I have my support system around me. I have the people who will love me through it and I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, relapsing during that time as long as I stick Mm -hmm. with my program. I mean, i I kind of say it, you know I have uh, I have my meetings, <laughs> praying and meditating, reading the literature, and then you know later on, spiritual literature, um, service, and the most important, working the steps with my sponsor. So right. if I'm hitting on all five of those, then I am a pretty happy camper, no matter what happens. I mean, obviously yeah. things bother me at first, but I don't sure. stay in a completely distressed uh, state. And I, and I like most of us have anxiety slash depression. I think a lot of us who are um, substance abusers have also that chemical makeup, and um, so it you know we we need and that's part of why i love marijuana in the old days it was a very light downer you know it just yeah, yeah, yeah. brought me down a little from the anxiety and um you know now i have meditation i have prayer i have calling people i have taking walks i have you know so many other ways of dealing with things that quote i don't like you know
0: <laughs> right right life
1: is much much, life is so much better when we let our higher power just take the reins right? and and uh, we turn our thinking over to that higher power and don't live from that fearful place. That's a mm-hmm. big part of the book. The anxiety and yeah. the worry is what I call the ego, not the psychological part, but the fear-based self. And that was right. the self that did all those things and drank. But there is another self the true self inside each of us and that's a like the light of us and Mm -hmm. you know how when you watch someone come into well in the old days when we had face-to-face meetings you'd watch someone walk (laughs) in and uh you could see you could see their pain but you also saw this essence of goodness in them you saw them as a person and and then when i walk in I felt people seeing that and responding to the best aspect of Gigi that I didn't even think existed because I was so full of shame. Right. So that healing of the fellowship and and that takes a while because it's easy to just go early, you know, go late and leave early and don't get to know anyone. Right. But we really have to let people love us so we can learn to to heal oh, yeah. our love machine because <laughs> our right. love machine is broken.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, that's, that's honestly, that's how I used to, uh, attend meetings. My, my first go around in recovery, I, I, mm-hmm. I only went to meetings just cause it was what everybody told me I had to do. And I sat there and watched the clock the whole time and waited for it to end. And then as soon as, as soon as it was over, I was out, I was just gone. Uh, didn't ever get any yep. phone numbers. Didn't, you know, didn't stick around. Didn't, you know, talk or or anything like that. And, uh, these days though, admittedly, I don't attend nearly as many meetings as I should. Um, I'm getting better at it though. Um, when I do go to meetings, I do stick around afterwards. You know, um, I engage myself during the meetings I share during the meetings. Um, and I've noticed that doing that, I don't watch the clock nearly as much, you know? that I'm engaged in and actually leave feeling a lot better than when I walked in. Um, and that's, sure. that's kind of the whole, the whole point of them. Right. It um, sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah but the reason I, I had asked you that question before, um, is cause I actually have, uh, several friends of mine who are in recovery. Um, you know, but they do, you know, they, they, smoke cannabis, I uh, do a couple of other things. Um mm-hmm. everything I do is legal, um but it's not necessarily mm-hmm. a total abstinence, you know. And I kind of sit on the right. fence of, you know, and, and to, to be honest, you know, part of me says, "Hey, if you don't have a needle in your vein, that's fine, you know, that do do what you need mm-hmm. to to keep that from happening." But at the same time, the other part of me says, you're not really, you know, living clean, you're, you're still doing mood and mind altering substances. And are you just replacing one thing for another, you know, so I'm kind of on the fence there about that, but that's, that's kind of a a personal internal conflict that I have going on. Sure. Um, Sure. You know, and that that, touches on between. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: That's uh, I think that's between them and their sponsors and their higher power. And I think for me, hanging around long enough, I realized that if I alter my feelings chemically, then I'm um, depriving myself of an opportunity to learn how to live in a world that is full of disappointment sometimes and hardship. Right. (laughs) You know, if I'm going to take the easy way out and numb myself, I'm not going to get the spiritual muscles and the, you know, the mm-hmm. ways of coping Yeah, and, and we, we must have those. We just mm-hmm. must have them. Otherwise Absolutely. they only, you know, <laughs> escape to the, yeah <laughs> to the drugs. And I don't yeah. want to do that yeah. anymore. So <laughs> um,
0: there's something, there's something very special about, you know, when you get, when you get clean and you, you get that clarity of mind, the ability to be present you know uh not only for friends and family but present for yourself as well you know um you're you're able to hone in on your feelings and you're able to 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 decipher exactly how you feel and um that's that's an experience in and of itself that that i i mean me personally i i that's that's been the biggest thing for me is is the ability to you know to be present for myself to be present for others um And, uh, you know, kind of take life seriously, I guess you could say, you know, Yeah. um, but yeah, it's um, a good way of life. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot better on this side of the fence. uh, That's for sure. Sure Um, well, listen, uh, it has been fantastic talking to you. Um, it has been a fantastic read. I'm still gonna, I still have to finish the book, admittedly, but I'm going to get through it. I've been, I've been kind of taking my time and letting it soak in a little bit. Um, are there any final thoughts, anything you'd like to say to our audience, any kind of hope shots or anything like that?
1: Yeah. Um, if you're not currently, uh, joining with at least one other person or a group to get better, whether it's from substance abuse or something else. um, I just want you to know that the one fear I had, which was if I go to someone and get really honest, I feel like there's all this junk down there. And if I rip off the bandaid, it's all going to come gushing out at once and it will smother me. That is not true. That's a whispered lie. And the truth is when we get into recovery the layers come and re- ready to heal when we're ready to handle them it's like once we do that third step and son, it give the pace of the healing and so on over to our higher power then it doesn't come gushing out all at once and it is manageable mm-hmm. so that's the most important thing the only other thing is do know that you have complete control over what fills your mind. If you're noticing the committee beating up on you and you're saying, oh, I'm triggered, I'm triggered. Well, we can stay triggered and talk about being triggered. But what are we going to do about it to bring ourselves back to a calm place where we're not a bundle of nerves, where we can be loving and giving and kind, you know.
0: Right, and that's right. why we
1: need to get to work with, you know, we need to get to work with the tools. It, Mm -hmm. it, it's my responsibility to heal with my higher power and all the tools available to me. So even though I had a past and even though my mother did this and that, those are worth knowing, but they do not limit what we can become.
0: Right. Fantastic. Those are, uh, those are awesome words of wisdom. Um, well, again, thank you for being on the show. I've, I've really enjoyed our talk today um oh thank you so much and uh woman in long-term recovery Gigi langer um yeah go get yourself a copy of the book uh it's 50 ways to worry less and trust me it is well worth the read um it will help you out a great deal all right thank you very much and we'll see y'all later thanks so much take care
2: Liller. I am the CEO of the McShen Foundation and a woman in long-term recovery since May 27, 2007. I have not used drugs or alcohol. Woo-woo! Thank you so, so much to the Richmond Times Dispatch and all of our voters for Getting the Heard podcast. Those podcasts are amazing. Not only has it helped thousands upon thousands of people in their recovery, as well as family members, but it has helped me in my personal recovery. I get to listen to them now in my car, through Spotify and iHeartRadio. And it's just really, really important for us to be innovative in the addiction field and the recovery community. So when COVID hit, we had to be innovative. You know, We really had to think of like, what can we do to reach people that cannot go to 12-step meetings? smart recovery, faith-based, whatever, um, that we're shutting down constantly. So we were innovative here at McShin, Let's start podcast. So with Todd, John, Alex, um, and some other staff, you know, we all just kind of jumped in who can do what. And um, with Todd's lead and John's lead, The podcasts have been amazing and we're still doing them today. So I want to thank you for all of your votes and all of your energy and all of your support of our mission of healing families and saving lives. Thanks.